This is the new LDS organist, Lesson 11, playing postlude music appropriately. If possible, later in this lesson it will be best to be seated at the organ console. You should have the written materials for this lesson at your fingertips. I am Dr. Don Cook from Brigham Young University. This lesson is important for all organists, whether they are focusing on playing in shortcut or polish mode. It is a companion to Lesson 3, playing prelude music that invites the spirit. Many of the same concepts apply, but because postlude music comes after the sacrament service, we will cover several important distinctions and considerations. Also, this lesson includes an important registration topic, solo registration, as opposed to chorus registration. Many of the terms and concepts used in this lesson are introduced in earlier lessons. It would be best to know at least the registration concepts in lessons 1, 2, and 3 before beginning this lesson. Most of the lessons in this course teach the organ playing skills needed for the sacrament service. Gaining these necessary skills is not usually overseen by priesthood leadership. However, choosing and presenting prelude and postlude music is under the direction of the local priesthood leaders. Probably the most important thing to remember in this regard are the following statements from the Church Handbook of Instructions. Quote, the bishopric oversees ward music. Stake presidencies and bishoprics determine whether musical selections or instruments are suitable for a particular meeting. Close quote. This means that if your bishopric asks the organist to go in a direction contrary to what is taught in this course, their instructions take precedence. The guidelines in the church handbook are few, relying on local leadership to deal with the details of music in the sacrament service. Organists who feel most comfortable in their callings are those who have earned the trust of their priesthood leaders by internalizing the guidelines and reflecting them in all they do. Let us now examine all of the guidelines in the church handbook that pertain specifically to postlude music. Quote, Quiet prelude and postlude music creates an atmosphere of worship that invites the spirit into church meetings. The organist or pianist usually plays hymns or other appropriate music for five to ten minutes before and after a meeting. Playing hymns helps members review gospel teachings in their minds. Close quote. This statement mentions quiet postlude music. This stands in some contrast to the louder postlude music that is traditional in many Christian worship environments. If you wish to consider playing a postlude that is not as quiet as the prelude, check your choices against the following standard. Quote, Music in church meetings should help members worship, feel the sacred spirit of the Sabbath, and feel the spirit of revelation. This music should not draw attention to itself or be for demonstration. Much sacred music that is suitable for concerts and recitals is not appropriate for a Latter-day Saint worship service. Close quote. Some postludes that are solid and foundational, but not loud, might be appropriate. But the line that divides the solid, foundational postlude from one that draws undue attention to itself is indeed tricky to draw, but well worth the effort. The last sentence of the previous passage is especially pertinent to those who love the great organ masterworks. Many of those pieces find a much more appropriate place in recitals and concerts and might be considered for performance in a cultural arts event rather than a sacrament service. How does this apply in your choice of stops? In chorus registration, where all hands play on one manual, rely heavily on the softer families of organ stops, flutes, strings, and hybrids.
using them individually and in combination at the 8-foot level will often be appropriate. The 8-foot principle, alone or in combination with the softer stops, may add the solid foundation that was mentioned earlier. Adding one or two of the softer 4-foot stops may also produce a good result for postlude. The 4-foot principle is sometimes very telling and may squeeze the volume level just beyond appropriate. The two-foot principle and the chorus mixture produce a brightness that is often just too loud for postlude in the LDS sacrament service. The soft reeds, chromorn, oboe, can serve well when soloed out by either hand, this will be explained in a few moments, accompanied by soft eight-foot and four-foot stops. Of course, slightly closing the expression pedal can take the edge off from an otherwise too large combination. Returning now to the choice of pieces, the handbook states, Quote, hymns are encouraged for prelude and postlude music. If other musical selections are used, they should be in keeping with the spirit of the hymns of the church. Close quote. For the reasons given, the handbook places great emphasis on using hymns for postlude. Hymns might be played directly from the hymn book, by rearranging voice parts in the hymn book, from simplified arrangements, or from hymn arrangements that are elaborations on the hymns. These elaborations must be chosen carefully as they range from very appropriate to completely inappropriate for the sacrament service. The nature of the music itself must be measured against the standards given in the handbook and any directives from the bishopric. The spirit of the hymns serves as a model for other music that might be appropriate for postlude. Hymns come in a wide variety of moods, meditative hymns, fervent hymns, majestic hymns, joyful, bright, and jubilant hymns. But there are no virtuosic hymns or toccatas, for example. If a piece of a brighter character is played, remember that, quote, quiet prelude and postlude music creates an atmosphere of worship that invites the spirit into church meetings, close quote. Now let us consider some specific questions that are frequently asked about postlude playing. Specifically, what should I play? Here are some possibilities. Hymns directly from the hymn book, Hymns from the hymn book with rearranged parts, tenor solo, soprano solo, or alto up an octave. Simplified arrangements, such as those included with this course, with these variations, all hands on one manual, soprano solo, or tenor solo. Hymn arrangements that are elaborations on the hymns. See Prelude and Postlude Resources. Other appropriate music, as described earlier, see Prelude and Postlude Resources. How long do I play? Come to the bench and prepare your stops well before the benediction and begin playing immediately after it is finished. Play one or two pieces, or just a few minutes, or longer if specified by the bishopric. It is not necessary to play until everyone has left the chapel, and you should not attempt to match the organ volume to the noise level in the room. Instead, set a worshipful, dignified example through your music. Can I play the same postlude pieces from week to week? You should balance several factors. Focus on pieces that you know well, but continue to learn new pieces. Balance tradition and familiarity with variety and freshness. Remain open to postludes that may serve to reinforce the topic of the meeting. How do I decide what to play for postlude? For each week, 
be aware of the congregational hymns and the topics, themes, or special musical selections of the sacrament service. You might choose a hymn prelude based on the closing hymn, or one of the other congregational hymns, or one that reinforces one of the topics of the day. Consider playing more meditative postludes following testimony meetings, or more jubilant postludes around holidays such as Christmas and Easter. In all of these choices, blend the best of your thinking and planning with your best spiritual preparation. Asking for the divine insight will guide you to appropriate music, to inspiring pieces, and to postludes that might uplift particular individuals. When the postlude is finished, take satisfaction in your best efforts for the day. Also, take stock of areas in which you could improve and work them into your goals for next time. Be sure to avoid any tendency to expect praise from the leadership or congregation members. We now shift our attention to the organ registration topic for this lesson, solo registration. It will be best to be seated at the organ console for the remainder of this lesson. The word solo in this context stands in contrast to the word chorus. Chorus registration is used to achieve equality between the various voices. All of the voices are played on a single manual, sounding the same stop or combination of stops. Solo registration calls for one voice to stand out. The solo part is played on one manual with one stop or a combination of stops, while the accompaniment is played on another manual with a softer stop or combination. When a solo is wanted, we use solo and accompaniment registration and split the hands between two manuals in this manner. The accompaniment part of solo and accompaniment registration follows the chorus registration model. Lessons 2 and 4 introduced chorus registration, so review those lessons if needed. Unless the pedal is playing the solo, it is always balanced to the accompaniment. That means that in nearly all the softer accompaniments that follow, soft 16 and 8 foot stops in the pedal will balance. As an alternative, pull the soft 16 and whatever coupler copies the accompaniment into the pedal. The solo part has one main objective, stand out from the accompaniment. This can be accomplished either by tone color, by volume, that is loudness, by pitch, or a combination of these. To create a solo by tone color, use a reed, chromorn, oboe, or trompet in the solo, against eight and four foot flutes, strings, or possibly principles in the accompaniment. In the pedal will be soft sixteen and eight. For this and all examples, first listen to this example and then stop the lesson and try it out on your organ. and any solo combination, a tremulant that affects only the solo manual might be appropriate.
another solo by Tone Color, use an 8-foot foundation plus any combination of 4, 2 and 2 thirds, 2 and 1 and 3 fifths foot stops. These five stops combined are called the cornet. Listen to an 8-foot and 2 and 2 thirds foot stop with a 4-foot stop added later. Then the 1 and 3 fifths foot stop and finally the 2-foot stop, the full cornet. These can be accompanied by 8 and 4-foot stops. Solos by volume need simply to be louder than the accompaniment. The stronger principles, for example, stand out against flutes, strings, and hybrids. Listen to the eight-foot principle alone against an eight-foot flute accompaniment. rich, sonorous solo. Use several blending eight-foot stops against a softer eight-foot string accompaniment. This is an especially effective solo combination in the tenor range, as is heard in the second half of this example. To create the richest sound, if the solo is on the grate, it may even be useful to pull a swell-to-grate coupler. Higher pitches also tend to stand out. Listen to the great eight and four foot flutes in the right hand against eight and four foot flutes in the swell. Those played by the right hand are heard as a solo mostly because they are played in a higher range. Eight and two-foot flutes create a gap registration, so-called because the absent four-foot stop creates a gap. The eight and two-foot combination will predominate against the eight and four-foot flutes because of the higher two-foot flute. In summary, this has been the new LDS organist, Lesson 11, playing postlude music appropriately. Passages from the Church Handbook of Instructions were cited and discussed, particularly as they applied directly to the choosing and playing of postlude music. A few commonly asked questions regarding postlude music were also discussed. 
solo registration, and chorus registration were then compared and three general ways of creating solos were introduced. We then learned about and heard examples of some effective solo and accompaniment combinations. The last lesson of this series is next, Lesson 12, Continuing Your Organ Training. You will learn about many options at your disposal to grow as an organist, from internet discussion groups to weekly private lessons. Most importantly, we hope that at least one of those ways will meet your needs, that you will set goals to deepen your skills as an organist, and that you will find joy in learning along the way. Happy practicing!